the season for charity, kindness, and giving back. You've surely heard a lot about Giving Tuesday lately. The Salvation Army's bell ringers are out again this year. And at King 5 News, our annual Home Team Harvest Food Drive is underway. Details on how to donate in our show notes. But why do nonprofits go full force this time of year? Are people more inclined to give in the winter? Is it the holiday spirit? There's actually um, quite a bit of brain science. I asked Erica Wiley, Vice President of Development for the United Way of King County. She's worked at the nonprofit for two decades. (laughs) I hear other people change jobs, but I got really lucky. (laughs) This week on Mindful Headlines, we'll talk about philanthropy during the holidays. Did you know there's science to support people who volunteer live longer? Despite that, charitable giving is down across the nation with fewer people giving more dollars. Hear what that means for the future. Even in philanthropy, where people are well-intentioned, we still have some stuff we need to fix. And we'll talk about how the nonprofit sector is trying to innovate, including a program in King County that helped 15,000 people stay in their homes during the pandemic. Erica, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, so excited to be here. It's my favorite topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I want to talk to you a little bit about the holiday season and about philanthropy and volunteering and why people are motivated to give during the holiday season. For our listeners who are not quite familiar with what United Way does, tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Sure. At United Way, we are working towards a racially just community where all people have homes, students graduate, and families are financially stable. We do a lot. (laughs) A lot to make our community stronger for everyone. I was first introduced to the United Way in Amarillo, Texas. It was my first TV market. Oh, cool. And then I really understood kind of what United Way does across the country. And I always have thought of it as sort of an umbrella philanthropy or organization that helps out a lot of other nonprofits in the community yeah. as well. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. You know, of course, I'm not exactly impartial. <laughs> But United Way kind of brings together sort of the best of both worlds. We all have our own board of directors so that we can really focus on local and specific issues and needs. And we are able to build relationships um, with members of our communities that are often very isolated. So we have the benefit of this national brand, but we're like super hyper locally focused. And so it's, it's kind of a nice combination. So do you see more people giving to organizations in the community during this time, during the holiday season? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think, um, I think philanthropy is like a very fancy word <laughs> for taking care of each other. <laughs> and for, um, I think of giving as a way of living my values and honoring the people who have supported me in the past and the uh, issues I care about. Another way to think of philanthropy is a gift you could be proud of and or even remember. (laughs) Because we have a very generous community who gives to a lot of different things. During the time of year when we get to count our blessings, I think it's such a great conversation to have with yourself, with your family about what are those blessings? What are my values? And how am I going to How am I going to support those? How long have you been with the United Way? Over 20 years. (laughs) I hear other people change jobs, but I got really lucky. (laughs) That's great. So let me ask you, over these 20 years, um, in your analysis, why is it that people 
feel good when they give? Sure. So there's actually um, quite a bit of brain science uh, around this question, which I think is really interesting because um, essentially the research says that we are built to collaborate, cooperate, and support each other to survive. That's how our species has survived. So we're a little bit hardwired, but if you look back at your experience in the pandemic and you think about the people that got you through in our bubbles and pods and circles, like there's just no way you're gonna make it out this other end sane <laughs> without other people. And so um, we're just, it's intrinsic to our species. I've done a little bit of research in that regard as well. Um, and I just spoke to another podcast guest who we were talking about politics, but he said, you know, we are tribal by nature, right? And we like to be in tribes and we like to be in community and particularly in small community. And it's a little bit about what you're saying here. I know there's also science to support just this idea that when we give, there is something really truly happening in our brains that gives us a bit of a reward. Um, and yeah. we often hear that said, right? When you volunteer, sometimes you take more out of it than even the people that you are serving. Absolutely. I think it can also be very healing, right? You know, asking for help is hard. Often it's some of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, you know, and you could probably relate, you know, it's humbling. And when you're in a position to then honor the support that you got, it's really empowering. And so philanthropy, giving, it strengthens the relationships between people, but it can also strengthen ourselves. I'm in the news industry, obviously. I'm really in tune to some of the events that are happening during the holiday season. But throughout the years, anyone, I think, who has been paying attention can see it. Every yeah. November, December, I mean, everything gets really ramped up. At King Five, we have Home Team Harvest. That's our big thing that we do. Yeah. And um, it just, everything kind of gets ramped up during the season. Yep. Can you explain to our listeners why that is, you know, and how nonprofits, be it the United Way or others, are able to hone in on that like holiday spirit? Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I think some of it is holiday spirit and I think some of it's taxes. <laughs> yeah. People have also been like, oh, I need to do my things before I get to the end of the calendar year for tax purposes, which is totally fine. Um, but I do think, you know, it's a reflective period of time when people are thinking about what, are, what am I grateful for and um, how can I help? And this is really regardless of income level people are inclined to help and, and want to help because even if you're going through a tough time, it's you still want to support others around you who might be even worse off, right? And so, um, but the holidays, I think the idea of giving and um, family and connections is so much more potent. And so it seems like a natural time for families to sit down and talk about what are we going to do? How are we going to help? Where, how, what kind of community do we want to live in? Who can help us get there? You mentioned taxes, and it's something that I did want to ask you about. You know, in doing my research for the podcast, I saw that there was um, a professor at Stanford University who just um, three years ago released a book saying that essentially sometimes philanthropy can have strings attached. Mm -hmm. And that philanthropy doesn't really help solve problems like hunger or homelessness unless there is public policy attached to it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? 
that is, you've tapped into one of the most important conversations happening in the sector right now. And um, at United Way, what we're looking at, because we have a very strong racial equity focus, not only looking at how do we help people that are in crisis today, but how do we address some of these systems that perpetuate inequity? And even in philanthropy, where people are well-intentioned, we still have some stuff we need to fix. And so I, I think it's awesome because, you know, I... I'm in the long-term change business, and you can't do that without looking at uh, how our systems uh, perpetuate harm or are not getting us where we want to be. So I think it's super exciting. And um, one of the new newer trends in philanthropy is philanthropy is able to take risks and innovation in health and human services and really any nonprofit. Um, that we can't really take with public dollars. And so um, I, it doesn't matter what cause you support, I can guarantee that somebody is starting up some cool thing and it's under-resourced and it's a great idea. <laughs> and that's an important role that I think is often overlooked in private philanthropy, but it can be really, really powerful. Um, and I'm going to ask you later in the podcast, just yeah a little bit about how people can decide which philanthropies and yeah. which organizations they want to support on a regular basis. Um, but we'll get back to that here in a moment. Yeah. I, I want to ask you what, since you said there is some innovation or some things happening and changing in the ph philanthropy sector, what, what are the next steps? Like what, where's the goalpost? Like, what are you guys looking toward? In terms of United Way or more broadly? More broadly, I think. Um, I think a lot of us have an idea it, um, that, you know, philanthropy and nonprofit organizations are, I don't know how to phrase this, but like just simply out there, you know, feeding people, giving them blankets, and um, that maybe it's just this response system where, um, you know, yeah. the immediate need, and this is what we're providing, and we're filling that gap, as you mentioned, but that sometimes we forget as just people don't, don't yeah. work in that industry that there is some long-term goals with a lot of these organizations. They're really trying to change systems or policy. And That's so right. um, how, do, how does that all work together? That's right. Folks who are on the ground every day helping people, right? Like we're trying to get out of our business. Ironically, we're trying to get out of our own business. <laughs> and um, the folks being served and those that are coming to help they know there are better solutions, right? You got to meet this immediate crisis need if it's food, for example, but there are better solutions. It's having access to resources in a long-term way that allow people to thrive, right? And so there's, you, you can't start down that path without thinking about systems, without thinking about government partnerships, private and public work together, and peeling back the layers. But Folks in the trenches know exactly what we need to be doing, but they're just often under-resourced to be able to go after it, um, which is why I like fundraising. I like being part of the, the fuel in the tank and can making those connections between donors and the causes they care about and the solutions that are out there. You know, this past, um, throughout the pandemic, you know, like everybody, we... <laughs> We launched whole lines of business that we would have never even thought about doing because people came to us with ideas. And one of those um, 
ideas was from DoorDash. DoorDash came and said, you know, um, can't can't stand in line at a food bank because it's dangerous, right? Let alone if you're homebound or you're a senior before we had vaccines and all of that, right? It's super unsafe. And so what if we provided rides in partnership with Money for Food to be able to deliver nutritionally and culturally appropriate boxes of food to homes. And so we've been doing 4,000 homes every week. And we would have never thought of that. <laughs> that wasn't our idea, but we can help make it happen with a little bit of innovation. And that's brilliant on so many levels because A, you know, getting in a food bank line is, is humiliating. That's doesn't, what kind of trauma to our earlier conversation are we perpetuating by asking people to do that? You know, so A, but also um, oftentimes in crisis, you know, we have to be able to expand and contract these systems in order to meet the uh, changing needs, right? So in 2008, um, you know, the food bank, food emergency system, right, really had to expand. Well, as that demand drops, they need to contract. Well, that's expensive, you know, because we're talking about infrastructure, we're talking about food banks, literally. And so here's a model that has a lot of elasticity that can, you know, expand and contract as needed. So super exciting. Brilliant. Oh, I hadn't even thought Brilliant of it that stuff. way. That's interesting, yeah. the expanding and contracting model. Um, what about for people who say, and then maybe it's a little bit cynical, but, you know, in the end, just rich people are giving and they're benefiting more for themselves, or mm -hmm. you have a company maybe like DoorDash, and I'm not saying that this is true, sure. but, um, you know, that, that gets more out of it because they have name recognition, for example. And in the end, they're the ones that are truly benefiting. And maybe some people will say, okay, the pandemic, yes, there's all these terrible things that happened during the pandemic. People are, were definitely with need, but some of these nonprofits, you know, were able to thrive in this environment. What do you say to those folks? Yeah, I think um, lots of things. And for me, it's, it's easiest to kind of bring it back to the personal and think about, because um, I also sort of think about it in terms of like, does my gift really count? You know, I'm not Mackenzie Scott. <laughs> so, so is my contribution really going to matter? And when you think about um, being um, a person who has gotten help in the past in whatever way, whether it was like emotional support or financial support, um, it all counted for you. You know, it all counted. It all helped you. And that helps helps to anchor me in um, my personal reality. And then I can look at the bigger landscape. And so, you know, what we know is that um, people were challenged in ways we couldn't have never, we could have never anticipated. Um, and as a community, we stepped up to meet that and those needs still persist, but we have some different tools than we had before. And so um, I find that inspiring. Um, but I always encourage people to go back to what you know, go back to what you as a person have experienced. And um, it's always going to point you in the right direction. How do people decide which organizations to support? You know, I think first look at it as a long game, like where uh, my family is at in our philanthropy 
you know, we actually had a conversation that went a little bit something like, what if we gave away more money than we spent on gifts? What would that look like? If that took our breath away for a little bit. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. But no, 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 we, we, we could get there, you know? And so we, over time, increased our giving. And throughout that process, and even still today, we, you know, we have some things that affected us personally that we support. We also, um, we like to make gifts in honor of people who have supported us in the past. Um, and then, you know, we kind of mess around and try other things out. So you kind of, you know, end up with sort of a core group of agencies you support. And then, you know, there are some folks that come in and out and that's great. I think that's all great because what you're really doing is building a relationship with an organization. You're getting to know them and they're getting to know you. And that's back to how do we uh, build a sense of community together? It's thrilling. It's especially in a time when everybody's circle shrunk. You know, I feel like everybody is so concentrated with the people that we've uh, gone through the pandemic with. And now it's starting to feel like people are starting to open back up. I think that's true with uh, how they're uh, supporting folks in the community, too. And there's a lot of innovation. And I know <laughs> that during this time of year, I mean, the Black Friday emails, when did those start? August? And, <laughs> and the philanthropic, uh, where we do, we do the same thing. People just get hammered. And so I encourage you to do like you do in your own life. You know, meet somebody that works there. We're excited to talk to people about what's going on. And we won't instantly ask you for money. I promise. <laughs> I think that's a big fear people have that we're just going to be all over you all the time. And uh, no, we would like you to join us for the long term. And, you know, we would like to treat you like a friend, heaven forbid. <laughs> um, you say it's a relationship. And I want to ask you about that too, because I just did an interview with Northwest Harvest and they said, yeah. we love the holiday season because people do feel giving. And, um, but the reality is it highlights what's happening all year long. And sometimes yeah. our holiday donations can sustain us for part of the next year, which is why we have these big campaigns. Um, but to your point, this is an ongoing relationship, right? And sometimes, you know, and I'm very culpable of this myself, but sometimes you forget, no, organizations are working year round on yeah. some of these issues and um, they need support year round as well. A lot of folks are anticipating um, capturing commitments that may pay out throughout the year. That's how I do my giving. And that's that's how we finally crossed over that threshold of giving more than we do in gifts. And it's because we can pay it out throughout the year. And that sustaining support is really great for organizations. It allows us to be more planful and breathe in and out a little bit more, <laughs> relax and focus on the work. And so you know, the year end giving is great and sustaining giving is really powerful too. At King Five, we've done some reporting on the fact that um, philanthropy and giving did diminish during the pandemic because mm -hmm. people were just yeah. on survival mode and maybe yeah. couldn't afford to do so. Have you seen yeah. that ramp up in the last year or are we still down? Um, nationally, the trend and the trend, this trend has been ongoing for some time and it's more dollars from fewer people. And um, in philanthropy and development, we're really 
watching how, what is influencing that? And we think there are a couple of things. One of those is around membership to religious organizations. Many families learn giving through tithing and that is their relationship to philanthropy. Well, with dropping memberships, it feels like we might be losing some of that. Um, the other part is shrinking middle-class issues. We think that that is influencing people's ability to uh, take care of each other, let alone themselves, right? So, so we are not immune from those trends. That is also true locally. Right? We are so fortunate to live in a community that generates amazing amounts of wealth. And we all know it's uneven. We all know. We all know the challenges we're facing with homelessness and so and poverty. And um, and you know, it's it makes some days really, really hard. But I'm also very hopeful because I also know how generous committed and activated our communities are as well. And, um, and we'll go get it. We'll go after it. Speaking of homelessness, that was the top issue for the yep. Seattle mayoral election and a lot of different local elections as well in other cities in King County. Yep. So what is the United Way doing um, in that sector? And yeah. you, you spoke a lot during this um, conversation about innovation. So is there anything yeah. very innovative that United Way is looking at in that particular issue? Yeah, you know, we've worked on this issue and it's the issue closest to my heart um, for a long time. And we've been in this space a long time. And um, I feel like what we've uh, experienced is we've always been playing catch up. And we never got to a place where we could get ahead of it. And so today we're in the situation that we are. Um, at United Way, one of the things that um, we started right before the pandemic was a program called Home Base, which was a collaboration with um, the King County Bar Association. They had pro bono attorneys. And then we had this flexible funding um, that would help do the thing that you would essentially do for a friend would be like, so what do we need to do to get you off the street today? Is it, we got to fix your car? Do we need first, last to deposit? What is the thing? We'll do the thing. We combine those together with some support from the Mariners, hence the name, and, uh, and Microsoft to do eviction prevention work. So they had, King County Bar Association had these pro bono attorneys, but they didn't really have any sort of financial um, leverage to be able to negotiate with. We combined those two things and were able to keep people from falling into homelessness because it's so expensive, Once a, not to mention the trauma, when a family falls into homelessness that we got almost a year under our belt before the pandemic started, but that became the infrastructure we used to draw down significant amounts of CARES Act funding. And so, you know, you probably read about communities that weren't able to tap that and bring it in it's because government com money comes with a ton of strings and oversight. And so most organizations don't have the infrastructure to deal with that. So we, because we had started this thing a little bit earlier, we're able to do that. And so we've been able to keep 15,000 families housed locally. Um, and over 70% of them are um, uh, led by um, 
a black indigenous or person of color. So, you know, we, that, that's where innovation, caring and racial equity can come together to make a huge difference, huge difference. And some of the families who are receiving support, it's like on average $10,000, which, you know, that's, that's not a drop in the bucket by any stretch, but as we all know, rent in our community is not cheap. And so it allowed to pay for some back rent and hopefully some future rent to keep people housed. And um, that feels like such a great win-win-win. I love that you brought that up because it kind of has like a little bit of a full circle moment for me because one of my first podcasts I did was with Fred Rivera. At oh. the and he talked about home base and this is not intentional, but it's just <laughs> interesting how all of my podcasts are starting to come together. And I love it. Yeah, no, he's the best. And he is so humble. It is, he's the reason that that exists, period. He will never admit to that, but it's true. He did talk to me about some of his um, friends that are, are lawyers. And so maybe that that kind of was the the uh, impetus for that. But yeah, well, um, he was our board chair and he was on the board of the King County Bar Association. Like okay. truly, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. You think about one person can't make a difference. He would, he would hate all of this conversation, (laughs) but it's true. Uh, He made a huge impact on our community and he's just super great guy. Super great. Well, I will say the conversation also reminds me just how intertwined we are and how so many organizations are trying to work together to solve some of our issues, which I think you know, oftentimes in news, we're reporting these quick headlines and we can't really get to the meat of that you know, collaboration that is truly happening all the time. And I think all the time. it's good to remind people that, you know, there are folks working on the issues and trying, even if it's unsuccessful, trying yeah. to come up with solutions. And it's not always just, you know, one person or one group. It's really yeah. a collaboration. Yeah. Just, just like we work together on any problem. Eight organizations are the same. You know, one of the conversations I, um, I recently was having was, you know, one of the challenges with the nonprofit sector is because, you know, we're sort of resource bound in a way that can be, um, can constrict creativity. Um, When organizations take a risk and try something and it doesn't work out, it's, it's like such a double whammy that I don't think um, the business community experiences in the same way. I think we're, uh, we're so much willing to like take a risk in uh, the for-profit sector that we really need to be able to have that in the nonprofit sector as well, because these problems are complex because they're about people, right? And, um, and we're not always going to get it right. And so being able to have a growth mindset um, in this work that allows people to be creative and take risks is so important. So important. The idea that it's okay to fail as long as we're trying. Yeah. You know, or, it, you know, and I guess <laughs> we're, my we're, business. And we're also learning, right. When we do yeah. have failures, just like in our own personal lives, we're learning from that experience as totally. well. You know, and, and in my business, um, we may not get it perfect, but people are still going to get help. Right. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's not a total loss by any stretch, but there, uh, the, it can, it can be tough if you try a thing and it's, it's, we don't get the results that we want to see immediately. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what is something that 
you see as most innovative in the nonprofit sector that's happening right now that you see um, can have some big impacts in the future? Um, I'm really encouraged by, um, and, and really this is any organization, but of course the one I know best is United Way. Um, you know, we really have tapped onto a model where we're allowed to have a little bit of that flexibility to test a promising practice or a theory of change, um, see how it works, tweak the model, and then go big. And then with partnerships, basically turn it over to government um, because we don't really don't really want government to take risks. That's not their core competency, <laughs> but we want them to be innovative too. And so um, I really love the partnership between talking to the folks who are experiencing whatever the challenge is the, the, and uh, meeting with the folks in the trenches, doing the work day to day, coming up with that thing and then putting real resources behind it. Um, I think that's transformative. It's giving me goosebumps. I think it's transformative. <laughs> Um, like you said, it kind of takes some of the risk away from the government dollars, but at the same yeah. time allows for innovation. That's right. Okay. Um, anything that I haven't asked you that you feel, you know, that you want to share? Uh, you know, there's always time for more volunteering. Volunteering is coming back. I should say that. Um, and, um, you know, to the brain science, there's lots of evidence that um, people who volunteer live longer. So, you know, talk about paying it forward. Um, I would mention that we have our free tax campaign coming up. We do um, taxes at locations and virtually all over the county, um, looking to help people um, avoid any taxpayer preparer fees. And we need a thousand volunteers and you can sign up at unitedwaykingcounty.org. Um, and it's, it's really, really impactful. I did it one year and, you know, I've been at United Way for 20 years. So I've got the one W2. Um, but first as a volunteer, you, you know, when you, when someone hands you their uh, W2s and their work, um, their work history for the past year, you're just so instantly fully in someone's business. Like it's very vulnerable. And um, we had uh, one person I was helping who had four W-2s and uh, no address because they were homeless. And so they'd worked throughout the year trying to pull it all together. And, you know, I felt um, humbled and lucky to be able to support this person in getting back what they earned, um, you know, and that's just that's the good stuff, you know? So I encourage everyone to try. I know it's taxes. It sounds boring. It's not, it's super not boring. <laughs> That's inspiring. And it sounds like it's a great way to connect with one person individually as well and see yeah. how your support can actually help make a difference in that other person's life. Yeah. yeah. And there's training. There's lots of training and there's lots of support as a volunteer. <laughs> well, I'm hoping at least one of our listeners will uh, pick up the phone and call you guys and say that they'll want to volunteer. So. Awesome. We'd love to have them. Erica, thank you so much for your time today and for the yeah. conversation. It was a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. 
Once again, that was Erica Wiley with the United Way of King County. There are links in our show notes, including info on how to become a tax prep volunteer and how to donate to King 5's Home Team Harvest campaign. But whatever nonprofit speaks to you, I hope you'll consider giving back to your community in some way this year. I'm Jessica Janner Castro, and you've been listening to the Mindful Headlines podcast. My goal with each episode is to understand how our minds influence current events so we can better understand our world inside and out. Make sure to subscribe for more episodes and please share with your friends and family. I'll see you next time.